Welcome to Pili, Raul, and La Musica, supported by Sure Microphones and Jack Daniels. For more information, follow us at Pili, Raul, and La Musica. First, Jack Daniels presenta Pili Raúl en la música from room number seven, virtual. Virtual. Yay. And our guest is an amazing producer, a great remixer. He's Latin Grammy nominated and he's representing El DF. He has an amazing story and here to tell us all about it. Please welcome... Gran aplausos para el único, the one and only, Camilo Lara, a.k.a. Mexican Institute of Sound. Bienvenido, Camilo. Hey, how are you, everyone? Good, good. Camilo, gracias por ser parte de, de, of this very first uh, experiment of Jack Daniels. Presenta Pirra, la música virtual. Um, Camilo Lara, for anybody who's out there that doesn't really know much about Latin music or Camilo Lara, he's one of those characters that really stands out in the Latin music scene. Not only because he's extremely talented and he's come up with his own genre of music, but also because he's a superb human being. Y siempre que uno está alrededor de Camilo Lara, y esto lo digo porque es la verdad, you have to have a good time. He's amazing. So, <laughs> thanks for sharing your personality and your talent with us. Un gusto, un gusto estar por fin con ustedes, aunque eh, on this moment, but uh, it's fun. Yeah, we've got to do something you. different, you know. So, got to mix it up every yeah. now and then. So, Camilo, tell us, obviously, you're very well-versed when it comes to music genres and music in general. Uh, but we want to know, what, what, what's your first recollection of music in your life? When, what's your first memory of listening to music? That's a hard question, but I guess uh, my first time I remember listening to music was probably a show called uh, Burbujas from Mexico City, <laughs> from Mexico. Yes. And same time, uh, The Smiths, because my brothers were super fans of The Smiths, so um, I listened to both records, Los Smiths y Burbujas. Okay, so that was like your first recollection of music. Okay, cool. You have so much history, such a rich history right there in Mexico City. But before you started becoming this amazing producer and remixer, music supervisor that we all know, you also started working for the music industry. You started working for EMI, which is one of the biggest labels in the world. And you were kind of heading up uh, the Mexico division, right? Uh, well, yeah, I started very young. I was a waiter in a restaurant. <laughs> and... I, I I needed the money to to get records to buy go and buy records. So every time I I go to the restaurant, I I get some uh, some money. <laughs> um, then I start working on the music business, and uh, my first the very first time I work on something was manager of a um, band called uh -huh. Titan. They were amazing from the nineties uh, and. They were my friends and we were doing shows. So we put together this massive show uh, with Zoe and uh, Titan and a bunch, bunch of bands. And I spent all my money on that. <laughs> and then the day that the concert was going to happen, they killed the Mexican candidate to the presidency, Luis Donaldo Conocio. So wow. I, they shut down everything and I lose all my money. Oh, no. Wow. Uh, wow. Yeah. 
¿Qué año yeah, era eso? So, What year was that? I don't know. It was probably like ninety four, ninety three. Wait, Raúl, you just wanna you wanna age him? Is that what's happening here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what. Soy I un viejo, Raúl. Somos, somos, Camilo. You gotta speak in the plural. <laughs> somos. No, no, no. Sí. No, and, and if you don't know the band Titan, they have an amazing song called Corazón, which is really, really cool with remixes by Fusible, who is part of the Norte Collective, who we've had on Pilitol en la Musica. So you lose all your money and then you're like broke. And how do you rebound? How do you get, how do you keep the dream alive? So I was totally broke, sad and miserable. And they offered me a job at a, at a record company. And I started... Uh, like uh, this guy that go to radio stations and give the promo copies to the to the radio DJs. Like I'm sure you have a lot of those guys, Raúl. Yeah, and there's you know, and did you did you take the 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 records with the sleeves and the little white powder would slip out every now and then or what? <laughs> I took that. <laughs> oh <laughs> no no no, 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 no that, that really. was in the 70s. That was in the 70s. That before was the 70s. Our time, before on, our time. on the 90s, it was different. Yeah. Okay. And uh, <laughs> I guess and I started like that, uh, but I knew a lot of uh, of my friends were musicians and they used to have bands and. Uh, so I I went to my boss and told him like, hey, I know this amazing band that is called uh, Plastilina Mosh. So we should sign them, and I convinced them, and we I signed Plastilina Mosh, and then um, I signed El Gran Silencio, and I started working be, with bands that I love. So more than a job, it was like a fun thing to do and learn from the music industry and at the same time I was doing my music so I was learning how to do it and at the same time creating my music that it was not that great but uh, I, I was starting so right what was it about music Camilo that kind of like inspired you to take that route I mean and when I asked you what is it about music it's like what does music emote in you what's the emotion what's the feeling that music gives you that has inspired your whole life now well music is my life like my my older brother was in an 80s new one hit wonder band called bonnie los enemigos del silencio he had a massive hit in the 80s called voy a buscar but only one hit so uh that was uh Uh, I mean, later on, he did like a lot of stuff, but he with his band only had one hit. And my other brother is also a musician. He plays in Moderato. And uh, so my, um, I, all my friends were musicians. Um, so music was my life. I mean, uh, all I talk about all day is about records, music, studios, uh, with my brothers, with my family. So I guess it's... It's not something that I can get rid. Like sometimes I think like, ah, I, I, I wish I quit music business, but it's all I have. You know, if I quit music business, I don't have family. <laughs> I don't have uh, <laughs> home and any, nothing. Tell us about one of those times where you've actually thought about leaving the music industry. Well, I, I study literature and I, uh, I wanted to, to become a writer. Uh, I'm still trying to be a writer. Uh, And quit the music <laughs> business <laughs> and move to a desert island. But uh, it's not happening. I, I have so much work that uh, it's not happening on this pandemia. 
I know that, like I mentioned earlier, you were actually working for EMI and then becoming the producer that you are now and making your own music. How did you make the decision, the choice to leave, you know, being at EMI to pursue the career of making music? There was a point when I spoke with uh, Alfonso Cuaron, the guy who did um, Gravity. Sure. Yeah. And he told me, like, do you want to spend your whole life in an office and being Camilito from the office? <laughs> and I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> and he was like, no, you shouldn't. Uh, your music is great and you should uh, go out and pursue it. I mean, you got to admit that back then it was a plush gig. You know, this was an era where, you know, the music industry was thriving. So you did leave kind of like a, a, a pretty good position back in the day, no? Well, I, yes, but uh, it was a, a like a day job right. for me. Of I was uh, uh, by night. I was doing what I really am passionate about. So I finally on uh, uh, with Alfonso uh, Cuaron, he we did a label together, and and we decided to do something that it was like very promising to put like a lot of independent art artists on the map, and we did a label called Suave, and we did it to Mama también, and. Uh, uh, we signed a bunch of crazy artists uh, like Bolovan and Silverio, etc. Uh, sadly, it was a, a, a big failure. Really? <laughs> wow. How? Yeah. How could that I, I mean, we, we probably were ahead of the time or yeah. probably were a bunch of stupid people <laughs> just uh, pretending. Um, but uh, it, it completely failed. So that was my first attempt. And then... After several years after, I released a lot of records and I was producing bands. And so I was like, you know what? I, I, I don't want to be in an office all day and spend my life uh, on working on, on, on doing emails and signing uh, stuff. I, I really want to be creative and be in the studio and create music. Well, I got to tell you that when you talk, you know, Itumama Tambien, that's actually the reason why I learned about you and a lot of the DJs over at KCRW learned about you because that soundtrack was put together by KCRW DJ Liza Richardson. She was the music supervisor on that movie and it featured some of your music. That's how I learned about Cha 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 and that's really how your name started to pop up on a lot of the radars of different DJs, different radio stations. So I wouldn't call it a complete failure, man. I think it, it, it kind of launched you. Yeah, I mean, in a way, now I see it and it well, sounds very luxurious to work with Alfonso. <laughs> but at, at the moment, he was just one of the guys. Like, Yeah. He's like being with you now, like yeah. it's Raul Campos, it's, you know? Yeah. Like, but when I know you since... Uh, you were not Raul. He, he wasn't no. DJ Raul so. Campos. Pam 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 pam. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and with you too, Billy. So, it, it, it's why do you think it was a fa uh, a, a failure? Like, what what do you think now that you've done so many successful things? Like, what do you think was missing in that formula that made it a failure? I think what happened was that uh, probably Mexico was not ready to have independent labels. Uh, I, there were just uh, different times and there were not independent media and there were not alternative uh, supporters. So at that moment, it just got uh, like a bunch of people doing weird uh, attempts to release music and to be successful. At the same time, 
we failed and two years later uh, a million record labels start like su succeeding so uh, i guess it, it helped a lot uh, to the scene to become open to be alternative and to be independent and not to rely on on big companies so in a way you guys opened the door for other independent labels to to open up i i would love to see it like that uh, i don't i'm not sure if it's the correct we'll thing, we'll give you <laughs> the credit And I mean, nowadays you have Cassette, which is your independent label. So you can, I'm sure you learned from your mistakes back then and are, are applying it to, to Cassette now. I want to think about uh, the thing that's happening, but uh, it's always changing. So now it's a different game and, and I'm doing it more uh, for, um, I like cassette, to think on Cassette as a place for just uh, for artists to go and use it and, and, and to be to be self-release and to be happy with their releases. And it's not me about like me choosing who's gonna be on cassette or like cassette is for everyone. So that's, uh, it's more a different kind of a, uh, uh, idea of, of, of releasing music. I think cassette is more of a community thing. Like everyone can use it and it's good. And no matter if you play death metal or, or indie uh, or hip hop, uh, you can use it and, and those of you who don't right. really know cassette very well cassette has actually distributed albums from artists like radiohead and bjork and jamie xx so it's not like any little <laughs> record label just new guys you know <laughs> and also um you know you've you've overseen music supervision for oscar winning movies like birdman so How different is it being a producer and a DJ and a remixer versus being a music supervisor? It's kind of different. Like, uh, I, I think uh, when you work on a movie or in a visual project, you work for the, the, the filmmaker. And he, he, the filmmaker is kind of uh, the director and he thinks like uh, it's, it's uh, like the, the El Capitan in a boat. Um, and when you're doing... Uh, music is like you're on your own so uh, and when you do remixes you kind of uh, want to please the artist and do something cool for them as a tribute and and at the same time do something that you like I don't know I love I love to remix produce uh, musical supervise mm -hmm. I love to work you know <laughs> well that's what it seems like it seems like you're always doing something whether it's music whether it's your own stuff whether it's your remixes or music supervision but then you also started making the transition to actually singing because at the beginning a lot of your stuff was instrumental it was samples when did you decide that it's like hey I can sing on some of these tracks Yeah, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, no, no. What what made you did somebody tell you it's like, hey Camilo, you should start like either singing or rapping or whatever? Or was that something like from within you that says, like, you know what, I can do this. If if Joe Blow can do it, why not me? <laughs> if if uh, what's the name of the tiger king uh -huh. can, exactly. Uh, See? If that guy can do it and become the superstar that he is, it's like, come on. Yeah, no, people told me the opposite. Like, you shouldn't. <laughs> no, don't do it. And I did it. Uh, yes, so? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I had, I, I mean, I, I was telling you, like, I, my, my, my dream was to write and to, so I had a lot of lyrics and, and I want to, I love lyrics in music. I think it's, 
very important and my first record was instrumental and I felt it was kind of um, there was something missing so I started uh, trying to experiment with uh, me singing and it took me several records to <laughs> finally be comfortable with uh, what do I you do. Do you consider yourself a singer? Well, yeah. I, I mean, I have tour all over the world singing and shouting <laughs> and doing whatever I do. But yeah, I mean, I am a, I am the lead singer of the band. Yeah. I, if you see me live, it's like a live band and I'm the lead singer. That's it. You know? And oh my God, if you get to see Camilo live, has anybody seen Camilo live? Or raise a hand. Me, Let's see. me, me. All right. Okay. At the end of his show, the guy is drenched in sweat on his shirt. He's like, it's like if he jumped into a swimming pool because you're working up there, Camilo. You are dancing around. You are jumping. It's fist pumping. It is a party. You're so into it. You put like, it's very, a very physical activity for you because you really get into it. Totally. Like all of your energy and your body language, it's towards the audience and what you're saying. And you say it with so much passion. Well... Yes, every show is pretty punk rock, and uh, I I decide to do a, a show that would be radical, and uh, because every time I when I started that, that when I started performing, uh, I got an, uh, a a gig at the Vive Latino Festival, and the 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 guy who run the Vive Latino was like. Oh, I don't want to program you because you're doing electronic music and it's boring. I was like, it's not boring. It's going to be fun. So he, he was like, okay, I'm going to give you one slot and it's like really terrible. Like, it's not good. Uh, it's uh, like. Was it like a two o'clock in Esa Carpita allá yeah. in, the co in the corner? <laughs> kind of seven. Seven o'clock and Café Tacuba is playing oh, and Metallica yeah. and uh, <laughs> the Beatles at the same time. So I was like, okay, whatever. So uh, I, but, I just got a surgery but hey, it's, on my it, back. But it's Vive Latino. I mean, this is like the Coachella of Mexico. So it's not like, you know, you're just playing some little party. Yeah, but if you play at 2 p.m. and Coachella is more a lonchera. Uh -huh. Coachella. Exactly. So, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So so <laughs> I got a, a surgery on my back uh, like three weeks before the Vive Latino. And the doctors were like, oh, I'm kind of 50-50 you performing there because it's going to be, you're going to sweat and you probably are going to move. And uh, I'm not sure. And I was like, I, I need to do it. You know, it's, it's life-changing for me. If I right. don't do it, I'm going to uh, regret it all my life. So uh, I, I got this gig and it was the worst schedule of the Vive Latino. And for some magic reason... Uh, like Café Tacuba got a flu and they kind of uh, start soup like half an hour late. And then Metallica got like problems with the amplifiers and um, they, they they cancel. And like, so suddenly I had like 20,000 20, people Woo. on the, on the, on the audience. Wow. And um, that's massive. So I did this, I, I started doing this punk rock show. Like I was, I was on a mission. And I had my, my brother on backstage, my middle brother, Marcelo, the guy from Moderato, and my mom and everyone on the side. And they were like, I, they couldn't believe it. And they were like, they were, they were suffering badly. <laughs> I was like, uh, so the show ended and um, I, I said, thank you. Like people were crazy. It was the show of my life. Like people did the Vida Borita, which is like the conga 
conga dancing and it was a massive thing it became a thing in mexico and um and when i i leave the stage everyone is like should we call an ambulance <laughs> or <laughs> i was like why and they are like because you are full cover with blood what and i was like what so you you, d you didn't even notice that you were wow. covered in blood no so i i i, I look at my shirt and I, I actually it just went all red and my uh, surgery just like the stitches didn't like just broke and i uh, so i was completely in blood so it became kind of a uh epic show for me like very punk rock and covering blood like people wow. crazy wow. and that's how it started the next <laughs> year i was in vive latino on one of the main stages at prime time and it just became a thing and i started touring and and that was the kickoff of my life uh, life i mean that's <laughs> like that's literally leaving everything on stage so yeah. i yeah. i recall seeing you at vive latino and i want to by the way, those of you who don't really know what Vive Latino is, Vive Latino is pretty much the equivalent of Coachella, but in Latin America. It's the biggest Latin music festival in Latin America. It's in, in Mexico, in the EFE. And, I mean, they have everyone from The Killers to Morrissey to Dave Matthews Band to, obviously, Los Angeles Azules, um, Jimena Sariñana, Natalia Furcade, everyone you can think of from both the Anglo world and the Latin world playing there. But I recall seeing you, and I think it was, was it with Compass? Okay. Yes. So tell us a little bit yes. about Compass. Compass was, um, it was sponsored by Red Bull, I believe, right? And it was you and Toy Selecta uh, inviting a couple of different uh, artists, such as Toots and the Matos, which, which is actually one of my favorite reggae artists out there. Um, Maria El Pilar was also in Compass, but um, talk to us about that experience with Compass. Yeah, I, I, I call Toy. We are probably from the same generation and we're friends for a long time. And I told him, like, we should do a record together and invite people. He was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. Uh, and then it started growing up and growing up and we got, uh, uh, we, we got, got the chance to use the Red Bull Studio. So we travel across the globe and it took us a year to... A record and we went to Brazil, to London, to LA, New York, Mexico City, Jamaica, and we recorded with uh, 80 artists in eight different countries, and it was pretty crazy. Like we went to Jamaica, we recorded with Sly and Robbie, with Toot and the Metals. Um, I was we went to London, and I was about to say you you're talking like 80 different artists. You know, one of our good friends is Nick Harcourt and his girlfriend Kira Klein, who is also featured on one of the Compass tracks. And they told me that you guys had like hundreds of tracks. It was like way more than for like one album or one project. We could release probably like four or five albums. Uh, I I even had uh, I always tell my friends some stories i i probably haven't tell on a public thing this but uh, uh we had a, a moment uh, recording with uh, david gilmore for example then that song is not out yet with boy george uh with a bunch of artists like from mc light um uh, eugene from gogol bordello uh Molly okay, Mark. Okay, how do you um, okay just so we understand, because remember, we're, we don't live in Camilo Lara's world. 
So, <laughs> yes, unf- unf- unfortunately. So, how do you like reach out to Boy George and be like, "Hey, Boy George, come a come a come a come a chameleon." <laughs> like, I'm Camilo Lara. Did he know who you were? Did you have to introduce yourself? Like, how how does that work? Well, that story particularly is pretty crazy because um we were recording in London and uh, I was a few years back when I released an album called Piñata uh, and I went to London to promote it. They told me like, they asked me all the time about like Pink Floyd. Uh, do you like Pink Floyd? What do you think about Pink Floyd? And I was like, yeah, I love Pink Floyd. What's, what about that? And they were like, well, because David Gilmour says Piñata is his favorite record what? of the year. What? Wow. I was like, I was like wow. <laughs> so well, I did that for probably four hours in a row. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and two years passed or three years passed. And I was in London recording with Toy. And I was like you know what, I know Phil Manzanera, which is uh, a band member from The Doors, that is a big producer who produced uh, uh, Heroes del Silencio and Enrique Bumburi and a bunch of artists. So I'm, And he's producing Pink Floyd. So I'm going to um, call him and see if he can get us uh, David Gilmer. So uh, I called Phil and I was like, hey, Phil, can you ask uh, David Gilmer if he, he really knows my music and he was like because uh, you thought this is all like april fool's day or something <laughs> oh, I, I, yeah i i thought it was fake uh and he called me and he was like you know what i told him and he grabbed his phone and he was like oh mexican institute of sound oh listen to this and he started playing like stuff from his phone so he actually had the record and he knew the songs and everything so uh, I was like, well, can he record some music uh, for the Compass Project? He was like, uh, he said he would be super happy to do it. Wow. <laughs> so next day at the studio, David Gilmour is uh, uh, listening to a track, which is uh, Sly and Robbie, uh, which uh, Sly and Robbie is probably one of my biggest influences in the world, uh, a, a reggae duo that has produced everyone for Bob Marley, to everyone, you name it. So, uh, he's listening to this track really loud, and uh, he's like, what an amazing track. Uh, and suddenly, uh, Boy George passed through the door, and he's like, what are you listening to? And David Gilmer is like, we're listening to these guys' music, it's called Compass and Mexican Institute of Sound. That's amazing, I want to sing on it. <laughs> so he starts singing on it. And he sing and sing and sing, and he just uh, got uh, these beautiful lyrics. Sadly, uh, David Gilmore didn't have enough time to do his collaboration, but uh, we got uh, the amazing vocals. Boy of, uh, wow. Uh, very George. very cool. Uh, qu- really quick, I mean, you know, doing a show on KCRW, and um, my mom actually listens to the show, and at one point she goes, "Hey, you." Puedes tocar la canción esa que, que tocas cada vez en cuando. I'm all, which one? I play like hundreds and hundreds of songs. Se llaman compás. El muchacho es Camilo y Toy. I'm also like the one song that my mom asks about is your song. <laughs> of all the songs that we could possibly play. 
Wow. My my mom always asked me for Snoopy Doggy Dog. <laughs> Snoopy? So, Snoopy. We like Snoopy. I like Snoopy Doggy Dog. <laughs> I'm like, you're you don't like Snoopy Doggy Dog. <laughs> Then that leads us to the next collaboration and Mexercy. I mean, you mentioned earlier the love for for somebody like Morrissey. I mean, And now you're talking, collaborating with people like Jay de la Cueva, Ceci, Bastida, Chetes, so many great people. How did Mexercy come about? Well, Mexercy is basically Morrissey as if Morrissey was Mexican, um, from Mexico City. Uh, so it was, uh, the whole idea was to to do a project that uh, what if Mex Morrissey was Mexican. Um, <laughs> well, let's give them a background too, because uh, for those of you who uh, haven't, are not Mexican or haven't really like been to Mexico or know the culture, the, the music culture in Mexico, Mexicans are obsessed with Morrissey and the Smiths. And like you said, Camilo, you mentioned that one of your first recollections of music is a Smith. So, Why are Mexicans so obsessed with Morrissey? And then we can we can tap into why you created Mexercy. Uh, <laughs> why they are obsessed with Morrissey? Because uh, we like telenovelas, we like drama, um, <laughs> and that guy's definitely we drama. We like Juan Gabriel. Yeah, I, I, I mean, if we're a country that are obsessed with Juan Gabriel, why not being with Morrissey? It's the same. It's the same Cortamina. phenomenon. <laughs> among others <laughs> so okay yes. so then continue then okay the, the the love for morrissey how amazing of a of a singer songwriter he is of course johnny marr with everything from the smiths but you guys have done versions in spanish of a lot of the classics well i just uh it was one show Uh, so to promote the show, uh, we had to put a, um, a single and I invite a bunch of friends. I invite Chetes, which is an amazing musician from Monterrey, Jay de la Cueva, a, a, a brilliant music uh, musician. Uh, he's in, in Moderato, Ceci Bastida, a homie fr uh, from uh, L.A., um, Tijuana No and Julieta Venegas and everything else. Yeah, we, we love Ceci. Yes, so... And other people, uh, Adam Khodorovsky. Uh, so I decided to invite a friends that I a knew that I could travel with and be <laughs> fun to travel, and b were amazing musicians. So uh, we did this project and we released one song, and we had one show in the UK, and it got sold out in like 10 minutes. Um, so we start opening another show, and it got sold out in 10 minutes wow. and it became a thing and then we released the album it got number one in the uk charts wow. in the alternative charts uh so suddenly we were mixed recently and we were touring and uh, uh so we start touring and touring and touring and we tour for Uh, a lot, <laughs> probably 300 shows I mean, in the and, UK. And, and it was so fun because I remember Raul and I were at the Regent in downtown LA watching Mexercy play. And we're like, this is phenomenal. So what what a, a beautiful idea. But the fact is that you guys are really not necessarily a cover band, right? You do like your own versions of Morrissey's songs. Yeah, well, we, we tried to do it uh, more in... Um, I think all, all the Smith songs are, are very dramatic, so it can sound like in a mariachi style. Uh, we did some cumbia versions, and it just got 
amazing. And with the, all these musicians uh, that are brilliant, um, it just got another dimension. It was uh, fantastic. Now that you mentioned <laughs> cumbia, okay, so I'm Puerto Rican and there's a lot of people here from Puerto Rico. We, surprisingly enough, aunque el ritmo de la cumbia sea como bien tropical in a way, we really were not brought up with that sound and like we're not connected to cumbia in any way. You're a huge cumbia lover. Sell us cumbia and why is it such a cool genre? Well, um, I'm going to convince okay. you. Oh, I mean, I like cumbia already because, because I've, I've been living in L.A. for 13 years. But for those cumbia. people that, that are either Puerto Rican and just don't really know the cumbia sound and how fun it is, sell it to them. Well, I, I guess the only place that is not big is in Puerto Rico. So uh, I guess it's the, it's the only rhythm that goes, that is still alive. Uh, and it's a tropical rhythm that is still alive and kicking. It's from Canada to Brazil. There's cumbia everywhere. And I think it has, uh, it has to do with the, with the heartbeat. Uh, cumbia is very basic. And I know in Puerto Rico they love salsa. But salsa is such a difficult rhythm to dance that uh, for nerds like me, um, <laughs> it's impossible. And it just gets so complicated. So cumbia for me was the, my first uh, shot because it was basic. And it, it's like a, for a kid to play punk rock. Like it just, you just know the very first two or three chords and you can start playing it and with cumbia is the same and i think basic is good i like basic music and i've been a supporter of cumbia for a long time and i love it uh so i hope uh, puerto rico changed their mind because uh salsa ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, <I'm kidding. laughs> no but we gotta give and, uh, cumbia and, a chance right? I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm kidding i'm kidding i love salsa no i love it and on that and note <laughs> But I love because the first time that Camilo and I ever met, I was interviewing him. And if you actually Google Camilo Lara, one of the videos that will show up is Camilo Lara and I <laughs> interviewing him for ABC News. And you were wearing a shirt that you wear a lot that says, give cumbia a chance. And mm -hmm. I do think like people should give cumbia a chance for sure. It's a fun rhythm. It's a tropical rhythm and it's easier to dance than salsa or merengue. I agree with you. <laughs> But there's also like everybody has their own their own version of cumbia. You know, maybe the Brazilian cumbia or like the Mexican cumbia is different from the Colombian cumbia. And that's that makes it even more interesting. Yeah, it's like hip hop. Like it's everywhere. And uh, if you go to Argentina, it sounds completely different than what you will expect in in Colombia. For example, so, uh, and I th I think it's uh it's just a really nice rhythm to dance to. It's like reggaeton. It's uh it's just so powerful that uh, no matter how you dress it, it's just. So <laughs> you're a fan of reggaeton? Okay. Oh yeah, yeah I, I love just, reggaeton, and I love. You just won over all the Puerto Ricans that you had lost as fans. You just won them over. We're good. We're good. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I saw a dramatic loss on, on the people <laughs> on the chat after my statement on salsa. Ah, But I was good. meaning, I was, I was talking about salsa, eating salsa. Like yeah, 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 of course, spicy of course. Salsa. Yeah, yeah, not talking about the music. <laughs> yeah. And what about the brand new collaboration with uh, Hip Hop Judios? I know Josh Norick was here with us a little while ago. But you got a new collaboration and it's called Turn Back the Clock. Yes, those guys have been, uh, they are OG, so uh, it was fun to work with uh, uh, Senor Josh, that is a cool, cool character. A name like Hip Hop Judios, did that even like 
steer you away in any way. You're like, no, I'm gonna work with these guys. I'm I'm pretty disappointed they didn't do the unorthodox uh, main thing. So. <laughs> if you guys haven't watched unorthodox, it's a, it's a, it's on Netflix. Gotta check. Go it out. and watch it. It's pretty <laughs> yeah, good. It's, yeah, it, it's pretty good. Camilo, um. I'm always curious to know how the mind of a music genius such as yourself works. When you sit down to either remix or produce or create your own song, how does your mind work? Take us through your creative process of creating a song. I'm lefty and dyslexic, so... Uh, I don't have a lot of process uh, going on in my life. Like everything's kind of a um, uh, Valerie, my wife says uh, my world is in clay, so everything is kind of uh, disposable and can be moved. And so uh, I think uh, I don't have a process, and I just face everything as it is. Like if you. Uh, need to produce something and you need to find what is the what is the, the what is great about what you're watching or seeing or and 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 try to help them to be great at that and same with music like uh, I guess it's an art form and the best thing is to be kind of free and and decide on the moment what is best and to find um, what you love like when you see a movie um, you see that uh, like for example uh, Scorsese like all the films of Scorsese have these kind of uh, amazing shots and so if I ever produce Scorsese I would only do that shots that are fa fantastic so I kind of uh, go from uh, uh, and try to understand what you're doing and, and take and start uh, your creative proce process but from how there. do you know it's fantastic well, it's fantastic to me. I don't know <laughs> if it's fantastic to the world. That's all that matters. That's I all love that. Matters. So you just go with your gut instinct. All, all that matters. <laughs> all that matters. Like, I mean, uh, creativity is so subjective. Like for many people, cre creativity is something that uh, y you have to build an audience and talk to your audience. And, uh, and for me, like, I think it's more about creating something different and fun and and discover your shining point. And I guess most of the projects have a shining point. And if you manage to work with that, uh, you get uh, some results. I love that. So just very, go with your instinct, cool. go with your gut. So Billy, what, what do you think that we open it up for some questions from some of our lovely audience members? I would here? love that. I mean, in all sincerity, I would love to continue with with talking to Camilo because there's so much you're just so creative and you're so amazing and you've really marked nuestra vida con tu música and and again if you've never heard Camilo Lara or Mexican Institute of Sound please they're on Spotify check them out and live you're just so much fun but I think yes let's let's open it up to 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 the floor in this case to Zoom alguna pregunta who has a question for Camilo yeah, Oscar Rangel asks, does Camilo have any experience meeting Morrissey? The first time I had an encounter with Morrissey was uh, uh, he asked me to do a remix of him. Uh, so he sent me all the parts and I worked on the remix and I, I sent it to him and he was like, um, he, he got the remix, spent uh, 
three or four weeks without answering. And then I got an email from the manager saying like, you know what, uh, Morrissey hate your remix. <laughs> I was like, no way. So I Wait, was very but that's sad, very depressed. Typical for Morrissey. A, Please tell me you were not surprised. I was devastated, you know, like, you don't know how miserable am I. I was like, well, uh, well, that's it. Uh, life goes on and uh, I forget about it. And like three months later, the same manager uh, emailed me and he was like, you know what? I did a terrible mistake. Morrissey loves your remix. <laughs> and, uh, so that was my uh, very first uh, re uh, Morrissey encounter. And it was a, a roller coaster. Was the manager lying? I, I, I don't know. Interesting. <laughs> Oscar, thank you for that question. They are asking which microphones are we using, and we're using yeah. the mythical uh, Shure microphone that uh, uh, Michael Jackson used for Thriller. And, and just so you know, this is by a company called Sure. They're based out of Chicago, and it's the SM7B. So if anybody's asking about that, that's the actual microphone. And if you go into pretty much any radio station anywhere in the world, you're pretty much going to see these mics. It's a beautiful microphone, and it sounds amazing. If you guys listen to Billy Raúl La Música, you know that we're sponsored by Sure. So, so thank you, Sure, for believing in us, too, and sending us the coolest mics ever. Okay. Yeah, big shout to Nelson Arreguin. Sí. And by the way, I, I, I don't think we, we actually got into this subject, which is very important, but Camilo was part of the movie Coco. So if anyone has seen Coco, please raise, raise your hands. Hey. Exacto. What was it like being drawn as a Disney artist and being featured yeah, in Yeah, and movie? how did that come about? Well, uh, it, it helped me in two matters. Uh, the first one that my mother believed me I was a musician that was very important to me and You're like, second finally, one finally mom I can tell you yes I convinced no, you no because made it. Uh, <laughs> he, he, uh, Raul Raul probably feels uh, has the same problem with uh, his mom like uh, I think moms don't understand that DJs uh, or musicians that don't play guitar or being like Typical musicians are musicians, so <laughs> I, I, I was I I'm being a musician for many many years, and my mom was like, "What do you do with uh, uh like those instruments and what?" Like he was, she was very. But confused. don't take it that far. So, I mean, I'm not a musician. I'm a musician wannabe, but my mom does. My mom and my dad, may he rest in peace. But uh, they didn't really understand what I did either. Only when they saw me like on magazines or on television, they'd be like, oh, that you do that. But they I get it. I think when you're in the arts and, and, and when you're a creator and in the arts world, people don't really understand what you do. I'm sure when you got the, the Emmy Award, <laughs> like your, your family was like, oh, now I know yes. what Pili does. My mom, my mom was like, oh, OK. Yes, I feel the same. And second matter, I was drawn as a DJ at the party and I was a skinny <laughs> sad part it was I was dead but uh, you know 
uh, unas por otras. <laughs> we're talking, for those of you who are tuning in now, we're talking about the movie Coco. And um, it, it's, it really is a great movie and it's a great story and so many great people are featured. So, you know, La Santa Cecilia, Camilo and so many others. So that's an awesome thing to the Latin alternative world where they actually appreciated the music that you guys do. So big up to you for that. Where's our next question? Well, we get our next question. I do want to mention these comments. So Sarah Lutchman saying is saying, I love Coco. And then... Um, Joey is saying, I saw it, but I didn't cry. That means you did not, you don't have uh -huh. a heart. Although he does have a heart. He's my <coughs> that, 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 that's he's sure my best friend. Sure you didn't cry. Sure you didn't cry. He's my best Coco friend. Makes he, has, everybody he has a big heart. Cry. I'm sure he cried. He's just hiding it. Um, Alisa says, my favorite movie of all times is Coco. Valerie says, Joey, I don't believe you. Sarah said, I cried three times. Um, Jose Vargas says, it's impossible not impossible. to cry. Impossible. Lynette says, Joey, what? Really? Um, and Dax says, I have not seen Coco, but on the schedule <laughs> tonight. Good. DJ Air says, mentiroso. <laughs> that is the word right there. Mentiroso. Um, I, I get into my Facebook and, and I see a, a message that says, like, you probably won't believe this, but I'm the director of Toy Story and Monsters Inc. And uh, I, I've been, I'm a big fan of your music and I want you to work on my next movie. And I was like, that's not true. <laughs> like, that's absolutely fake. And uh, two weeks later, I was flying to, uh, to San Francisco and uh, I started working on, on, on Coco. Um, But at that time, Coco was not Coco. Like, it was just a film. It was a project. So I couldn't tell anyone for five years that I was working on a project like that. So for five years, I was like, what are you doing? Oh, nothing really. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know? And uh, five years later, I was like, I told you I was working on something cool. <laughs> Believe it me. took you five wow. years? Sí, estuvo, wait, estuvo, estuvo muy chido, sí. It's because Mickey Mouse holds you by the neck and says, like, no, you can't say anything. That's the power of that damn mouse. <laughs> you know what? Oh, yeah. I'm all for that damn mouse to hold yes, my neck. We're I'm like, all okay, for that okay, damn okay. Mouse. Okay. <laughs> cool. I can, I can tell you weird ones, but uh, I, I signed Rebelde, for example. Wow. That uh, probably not many people wait, know wait, about wait, it, wait. but I did. We all. need that sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> you signed Rebelde. Yeah, I mean, it took me took me years to hide it, but now I feel proud enough to like many years. That now it's vintage and it's cool. Uh, but I I signed it. I did most of the records, and uh, they were sold hundreds of millions of. You, that's uh, it copies just, just uh, hundreds work. of millions that's it i think it was brilliant and it was a fun experience uh and uh i enjoyed it a lot and it was fantastic i i i don't want to say i have one thing that is like proud like i feel the most proud because i probably don't have um but i have weird stuff that probably people don't know i like i work with rebelde and i I work with Zoe, you know, and, and I've been uh, in many games in different kind of uh, scenarios. So um, 
I think every every like I mean collaborate with artists that I uh, admire like you say uh, Toots and the Metals I I'm massive fan of Toots and the Metals so he's the guy who invented the word reggae so imagine doing songs with the guy who invented the word reggae it's like well, I mean I don't even imagine that like and I think every year I have some kind of milestone that I reach and I'm proud and I don't know I mean uh, I try not to think too much about it I try to go forward in life and life is about what's coming not what uh, you did I love that I, I mean I love the fact awesome. that you can actually in the same sentence you can say rebelde en soe because and toots in the <laughs> and toots in the mantle. But if you're into Latin music, you know, like Rebelle, which is from the soap opera or telenovela or however you would. Rebelle. Like that to Soe, whom, in my personal opinion, besides Fobia, is my favorite rock and Espanol band. Like putting it in the same sentence is like pretty amazing. All over the scope of Ca music genres. I've been around and uh, I I don't regret it. Sometimes <laughs> I was very drunk to uh, remember it, but uh, yeah, I was. Well, I'm I'm proud of it. Well, <laughs> Camilo, we love you and we thank you for your time. And this has been awesome to like learn a little bit more about you and catch up. So we we love what you do and we just ask that you keep doing it. Thank you so much. Uh, it's been so amazing, and uh, I just wanted to say to all these uh, guys that are there uh, and were on mute, Che uh, Portada, that um, that hang there. It's hard times, you know. It's it, I, for me, it has been really hard. Like I, I, I'm imagining that uh, we are all in the same boat. Let's just be creative. Let's just uh, the, uh, start the traveling inside, not outside. So that that helps. It helped me. So I hope uh, they help everyone. And if anyone um, wants uh, some advice in music or or playlist, uh, just hit me on on Instagram or on Twitter, and I can help them. It's moment to be together, and uh, and it's very important to to be sane, to be in peace with himself and with the family, and 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 to have a um, a clear mind that is gonna pass, and that we're gonna be good. We're we're together. We are strong. Yeah, you know? we're gonna get through this and together for sure. This is a good example that uh, this is all about. I, I, I would be extremely happy to do this with you hugging you, kissing you with a beer or with a, <laughs> a jack uh, on my hand. And, and that's life, you know? So hang, hang in there. Well, we know that these are times that, that everybody is like inside and quarantined and isolated. But you know what I've been hearing from artists like you and people like Oza Motley who are celebrating 25 years or any other DJ or any other artist? It's like this is a time that they get to be like, oh, wow, you're pushed to the limit. How do we stay creative? How do we continue to do our art? And we're getting this from across the board that everybody is saying the same thing. It's like this is a time kind of like to be able to maybe even reinvent yourself. So there's so many great things that obviously it's a it's a shitty situation because we're dealing with this pandemic. But for the art form, 
you know, just the way we are. Like we see Jenny, who's involved with LAMC. They're going completely virtual this year and it's going to be free and you're going to still get to see amazing artists, amazing bands. And just like you, Camilo, putting out great music like the track with Hip Hop Udios and all these other artists that we still talk about. It's like this is a way to really kind of like exemplify the power of music and how amazing it is, how much of a tool it is, how much it helps us through, you know, thick and thin times. So we really appreciate what you do, man. So thank you, Camilo. Thank you. And uh, next time, we'll, let's do it in person. For sure. For sure. We'll be back at room yes. number seven. Right, Jose? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. And there's nothing like the, the, the human touch and the human hug and just dancing together. But again, thank you yes. so much, Camilo. You are such an inspiration to all of us. You and Valerie as well. I love your wife. She's an amazing human being as well. And uh, every one of you, we had 58 um, participants. Thank you so much for joining our Jack Daniels Presenta Pili en la Musica en Vivo Virtual. Like I said, thank you so much for your patience. I know, you know, technically this is all new for all of us. Thank you for being <laughs> part of it. Thank you for... Thank you for listening to Pilito en la Musica. Thank you for following us and commenting and reposting all that good stuff. We appreciate. And special thanks to Jack Daniels for apoyar la Musica Latina. None of this could ever happen without the support of such a brand like Jack Daniels. Así que gracias, Jose, and all of your team. And uh, let's see what else we have here. Okay, Joey, uh, cool guy, Camilo Lara. Joey didn't really know who Camilo Lara was, so thank you, Joey. I'm glad you're a fan now. Jennifer um, for National Records says, Salud. Salud. Um, Jorge Hernandez says, God bless the Mexican no, Institute Jenny. of Sound. Um, Dak says, this was great. Miss room number seven, we miss it too. Pero thank you for being part of the virtual version of it. Can you get an amen, right, Roberto? Amen. Amen. <laughs> 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 thank you so much everyone who has logged in um, thank you for your patience I know this is new to all of us so thank you and I hope you had a great time Camilo we cannot be more grateful for saying yes to this experience and te queremos muchísimo y te queremos en vivo en Jack Daniels room number 7 ojalá que muy pronto I know so we can hug and dance together Mientras tanto, virtual hugs to everybody. Please keep listening to good music. Follow Camilo Lara. Follow Pili en la Musica. And follow Jack Daniels. Pero we could not do this without the support of you guys and the support of Jack Daniels. So gracias to all of you music lovers out there. We are all united by the love and the passion we have for music. All right. Nos vemos. Hasta la próxima. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Gracias for checking out our podcast. Hey, and special thanks to Ulises El Licenciado Lozano for our amazing theme song. Our mix and recording engineer, Mario Diaz. Our artistic director, Dak. And can't forget about our sponsors, Pili. No, Raul, United Airlines, Sure Microphones, and Jack Daniels, gracias for supporting La Musica Latina. And for more information and other episodes, be sure to subscribe to our podcast at Pili, Raul, and La Musica. Hey, make sure to tell your tía, abuelo, primas, everybody to subscribe. A todos. A todos.